This is episode 167. Smarter Parenting welcomes you to our podcast series, The Parenting Coach for ADHD. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Well, hello, everyone. How are you? Welcome. My name is Siope. I am one of the hosts here at the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Thank you for joining me. We are actually winding down the year to 2021, and the next two podcasts are actually connected with each other. We're going to be talking about resiliency. How do we create resiliency in children? And there are seven recommendations that a Harvard psychologist recommends for parents to use and to cultivate in their children in order to create a more resilient child. So we are going to be talking about these seven things that make children exceptionally resilient in the world that we live in today. And as we know, the way things have been going over the past two years almost with COVID, the pandemic, it's important to raise children that are able to adjust and adapt to the environment based on what is happening in the world. Now, what we're going to do, though, during this time is we are going to split up this podcast into two parts because there's quite a bit to talk about. And the way that we're going to connect it to what we do here at Smarter Parenting is, as I was reading this article, I found that there is a connection between what the recommendations are for creating a resilient child or for helping a child become resilient and the skills that we use in Smarter Parenting, which are founded on the principles of the teaching family model. So as I had stated earlier and consistently state to you, the teaching family model is a skills-based approach into helping raise resilient children. It's been proven. It has worked with children of all ages, and it has been around for years and decades. It has research behind it. So when we talk about these skills, these are things that have been tried and tested with various ages of children in various circumstances. And what I found is you can actually connect these traits, these seven traits, to what is necessary to raise resilient children, but also in connection with the skills that we use in smarter parenting. So let's begin. Let's start off with definitions, because I think definitions are important for this first part of the podcast. Next week, we'll cover the second part of this list. The first definition I want to go through is resiliency. What does it mean to be resilient? Resilient, by definition, is an adjective. And the first definition I was able to find states that it's a person who is able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. So if something difficult occurs that the child is able to, or the person is able to withstand or recover, psychological resilience is the ability to mentally or emotionally cope with a crisis or to return to a pre-crisis status quickly. So resilience exists when the person uses mental processes or they're able to use behaviors in promoting the personal assets they have to protect themselves from negative effects of stressors. When stress comes along, and we all know that children experience stress, and so do parents, they're able to bounce back and recoil and adjust to the stressors. 
Now, this is going to be beneficial as well to you as a parent because we want to create resilient parents as well. So during this podcast, pay particular attention to how we're helping children become resilient, but also in ways that you can become a more resilient parent. Now, this is based off of the research from Lisa Feldman Barrett, who works at Harvard, is well-versed in the child's brain. And I I just love the way that she was able to describe this. You can find a link to this article on the show notes of this podcast. Now, she makes recommendations for parents, all right? And this is based on years of research in neuroscience and psychology. So here are the seven things that will help build your child's brain to be flexible and therefore resilient. Number one, be a gardener, not a carpenter. Now, carpenters carve wood into the shape that they want. They actually make the forms. They take raw piece of wood and they will make it become what it is that they want. A gardener, on the other hand, cultivates plants and allows them to grow naturally in their own way. And they are able to weed and be sure that the plant can flourish. Likewise, parents can sculpt their child into something specific, say, they want them to do something really, really well. What they need to do is focus on the fertile landscape around their child, create an environment that's inviting and that is helpful for their child to grow in a more positive way. Now, the reason that you want to do this is because unlike wood, which is inert and doesn't really do anything, you actually have to use your will to make the wood do what you want it to do. Children are very different. Children have opinions, they have thoughts, they have feelings, emotions. And so when we allow them to grow naturally by cultivating an environment that feels safe, this helps them really find who they are and it helps them establish roots that are deep in their own self-confidence. Once you understand what kind of plant you are growing with your child, you just need to adjust for the soil for it to take root and to flourish. So her first recommendation is to be a gardener and not a carpenter. Now let me share an example of what this is like. I was working with a mother who struggles with her son. She wants her son to be able to be in public without arguing with her. And we started to talk about the arguing that was occurring consistently with her child whenever they were in public. When they were at home, they were fine. Now, for her, she was using methods at home that she couldn't use outside. And so, for example, she could ground him, make him go to his room. She could do all of these other consequences in order to help him de-escalate, but also to help control the behavior. So in that way, she was a carpenter. Here's her child. And she is shaping his behavior based off of the tools that she has with her at the moment, which are tools she can't really take anywhere. And at the same time, they're not tools that the child can use once the child is out in public. So we started to focus on how she could become more of a gardener and how could she create an environment wherever he goes that he can follow her instructions. So we started to focus on the skill of following instructions. We worked on that in the home. He was able to practice that, role play it, which is another skill we use with her son. And with a clear understanding of the outcome, we talked about 
rewards, and we talked about consequences, and how they translate outside of the home as well. So we started to cultivate this environment that she could take with her wherever her child is. And so when they started to go out into small trips, we didn't want to do a big trip somewhere, but just to be in public where they could practice this. They initially started by just going to the mailbox and interacting with the neighbors. So they were able to practice this and she saw success. So she would praise the success and continue to cultivate that environment. Now, again, he was able to make decisions along the way. And it was less about her carving him into what she wanted and her actually guiding him along this process by creating an environment that she could help him cope and deal and bounce back when he wanted to act out. So it's a very beautiful approach when we look at being a parent is more effective if we're gardeners and not carpenters. Okay, We don't want to force the child into doing something because As we know, you can force a child to do something when they're small, but as they get older, they're going to make their own decisions and they'll push back. And that's cause for additional pain. Now, in the long run for this mother, she's also creating an environment of trust and of connection with her child as they are out in public and they can both have a good time. So she's still working on making this environment safe and uh, fruitful for both her and for her for her son. So fantastic example of how we're able to adjust and focus on being a gardener instead of a carpenter. Now, the second recommendation is to talk and read to your child a lot. Research shows that even when children are just a few months old and don't understand the meanings of words, their brains still make use of them. It helps to build neural foundations for learning later on in life. So the more words they hear, the greater the effect. They'll also have a better vocabulary and reading comprehension. Helping them understand emotional words like sad, happy, frustrated is especially helpful for children. Now this goes into the area of effective communication, which is a skill that we have on the Smarter Parenting website. When you communicate with your child consistently and you're able to convey your thoughts and your beliefs and your observations with your child, it actually helps your child process the world in a more empathetic way because they have to make sense of what it is you are communicating to them. Now, you can do this in many, many ways. But if you can set up a set time that you would read to your child, that is a wonderful time to be able to do that. Let me share an example of this, okay? So you're talking and reading to your child a lot. I had a child who had difficulty with his parent. Really, they just struggled. They struggled talking about the difficult topics. Father had recently gone through a divorce. And um, there was just no emotional connection between the two. So I asked the father if he communicated a lot with his son and how they did that. And he said, I try to talk to him, but he shuts off. It's very, very difficult. I asked him, in what ways will he communicate? What does he like to do in his free time? And And he said, he likes to read. He loves to read books. And I said, okay, well, let's integrate reading books into your communication. 
So we started to look at books that could talk about emotions and about feelings. And when you're able to relay those feelings of sadness, of happiness, of frustration in the characters in the book, you can start to talk about how you have felt these emotions and then ask him to share his feelings about sadness, happiness, or frustration. So we ordered some books on Amazon and we began this whole process of effective communication. Now, if you know anything about the skill of effective communication on the Smarter Parenting website, it requires that the parent or the person listen to the other person and then restate what they have heard. And it goes both ways. And so this, it was important for this father to understand, I'm going to listen to my child convey their thoughts and their feelings, and I'm not going to interrupt, but I'm going to repeat back what I hear, what I understand, and be sure that he knows that I understand him before I share my own thoughts. And this was hard for this father because he wanted to fix it. He just wanted to fix the problem and move forward. So I role-played this with him. And we practiced it over and over and over again. So he was comfortable sitting there and listening and then restating back what was heard. Now, when we started to put this into place, we didn't teach the young man the skill of effective communication. We actually focused on dad just modeling this behavior. So dad would do this naturally on his own. Uh, and then we later introduced it for his son. But what we found is the more that dad did it, the more confident the child was in copying his father in the way that he communicated, waiting for him to finish what he said and then repeating back what he heard. So absolutely beautiful. The effective communication skill that we have on Smarter Parenting is so powerful. If you're trying to help communicate with your children, and create this resiliency. And when you, when you talk to your children and they start to talk to you, this continues to help them in their growth. And it guides them along this whole process. And it makes them more resilient because as stressors come, they're able to express what things are causing them to feel stress. And you are able to help them work through those things. Now, the third thing on the list is to explain things. Now, this is a difficult thing for a lot of parents because they're tired of hearing their child's voice say, why? Why do we do this? Why do we do that? Why don't you do this? Why don't we do that? And it can be extremely difficult. But when you avoid answering questions, the why questions, or you answer them because I said so, it actually cuts off the communication, which was number two. You want to be able to answer your child's question and help them be able to process the world. Now, remember, your child doesn't have a toolbox of communication that they can access. So a lot of times they'll ask questions to try and figure things out. This isn't to annoy you. It's to help them figure out the world around them. And when you establish an environment or a garden where they can ask questions and you will take the time to answer those questions, even though you've answered the questions a million times, what this tells them is I can come to my parent for anything and they're willing to answer these questions. Now, answering the questions and answering the questions in a polite way, those are different things too. So you want to be able to be 
aware, polite. You want to model uh, the way that you want your child to communicate with you during these these processes. When you're asking difficult questions, you want to model how you should respond to those things. And you can do that when your child is asking questions. So if you are going to have a conversation that is more difficult later on in life, I want you to be able to model how you can communicate well with your child when they're young and asking a million questions. Because as we know, as children get older, they stop asking these questions. They no longer seek out to get your input or your feedback. And sometimes when you're talking about difficult topics, whatever it may be, it can be even more difficult if the children don't feel like you've established an environment where communication can happen. Now, we're going to cover the rest of the list in the next podcast. So uh, I'm just going to give you a heads up. Number four is describe the activity, not the person. That is where we focus on behaviors and not necessarily focus on the child. And this is particularly important for parents to notice when your child is behaving poorly, that we are focused on the child's behavior. We're not doing any blaming. We're just saying, this is your behavior. Your behavior is something you can change. Okay. Number five is to help your children to copy you. This has to go with modeling. This is where you are demonstrating to your children the best way to behave and interact. Uh, Number six is expose children safely to lots of people. And this has to do with allowing your children to experience adults, friends that help them socially learn how to make sense of the world around them. Being able to base their understanding of the world by knowing a lot of different diverse people is helpful for them. And then the seventh one is to applaud agency. And this goes back to the very first recommendation, which is to be a gardener, not a carpenter. We want children to be able to grow in healthy ways. We want to remove the weeds that are in their way. And then we want them to be able to find themselves and take root, solid root, into things that are grounding and that will help them grow and become more strong. Now, we'll talk about those items uh, in the next podcast, and I'm excited to share more about that. Now, all of the skills that I mentioned in this podcast are available on the Smarter Parenting website. Effective communication is there. And if I was going to start with a skill, I'd start with that. I would start with um, effective praise as well in order to help encourage children to focus on the, the good things that they are doing and that they're able to accomplish. And these are the skills that I would focus on from this podcast, effective communication and effective praise. All right, that's it for me. I'm excited to go through the rest of the list during our next podcast. I'll see you then. All right, bye.